The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with a good friend and a return guest. Hadn't been here for a while, but we'll take care of uh, uh, doing a few more shows with him in 19. Uh, my friend Lee Fredrickson, who is the managing partner of Hinge Marketing in Reston Herndon. Reston. Reston. I knew you were out there somewhere. Yeah. Us, us Maryland <laughs> boys just go out the the, uh-huh. you know, the coal road. Where the world curves. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here again. <laughs> uh, tell people uh, who you are and what Hinge does, please. Well, Hinge is a branding and marketing firm that works exclusively with professional services organizations. So government contractors, uh, tech firms, accountants, uh, management consultants of all types. Uh, that's our bread and butter. Yeah, you started primarily in the AEC arena, is that right? Uh, that was some of the early ones, AEC consulting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been doing it for quite a number of years now. For the last ten years, we've been exclusively professional services. So nothing accountants, else. lawyers, and and over the last uh, half of that, maybe you've you started doing professional services in the government arena as well. Right, right. We've been doing those early on, partly because we're here in Washington, and partly hard, because hard it fits well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, we're going to talk today, and uh, hingemarketing.com, you can find the, uh, the study that we're going to talk about there. We're going to talk about Inside the Buyer's Brain, the uh, second ex- uh, edition, but the executive summary. So the first edition came out five years? Five years, years ago, yep. And um, the buyer's brain morphs just like everything else, right? That's right. So, uh, first of all, thumbnail, who was uh, uh, represented in the study? Uh, This uh, represents buyers of all kinds of services. About 35% of the study, about 35% of participation uh, is from government buyers who buy things for the government, whether those are they're buying bridges and tunnels or management consulting or all varieties of uh, services from the professional services community. Okay. And how large was the sample? It had over uh, 1,400 buyers and 3,000 sellers. And that's one of the interesting things we did. We looked at both sides of a transaction. So we looked at the people who sold it and the people who bought and how they saw things differently. And that's one of the fascinating things. There are differences in perception of the same transaction depending on which side of the table you're on. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I, I teach graduate school at George Washington University. I, I'm part of the uh, master's program in government contracting, mm-hmm. and I teach the marketing class. But it's funny because usually half or more of my class is government contracting officers. Uh-huh. And the now they're looking the at marketing from a different way, and they're feeding me information from their eyes that I, I, you know, it's a totally new perspective for me as well. Yes, yes, exactly. It's it's funny what a difference it makes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I I I get as much education from those classes as I'm imparting. 
uh, or hopefully imparting. So. That's the secret that teachers don't that you don't realize is being a teacher forces you to learn. Well, yeah, I mean, and you if, learn from the people who are your students. If if you're paying attention, what you want mm-hmm. them to do, yes. Uh, but I, I think I had some professors in graduate school that really weren't listening to the students quite as much, maybe as they should have. But that's <laughs> beside the point. <laughs> uh-huh. So let's talk about this. This whole thing is is predicated on uh, on thought leadership, subject matter expertise, and what Lee refers to as becoming a visible expert which is really a great way to think about it because you can be a subject matter expert, but unless you're visible, unless you're out there sharing information in forums that are germane to what you do, what's the point? Exactly. You're uh, sitting on the couch uh, eating your Doritos, and it doesn't impact anything. It doesn't impact your business. It doesn't impact the industry. So what's the point? Yeah, you're you're watching that deep thinking show, and you're going, I don't. Why don't you look at it this way or that? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Here's a better way but, to look at it. But yeah. the only person who hears is your cat, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't care. <laughs> cat, cats are notorious That's for not right. caring. So um, there, there's a lot of things in in and go to Lee's site, hingemarketing.com. Download the executive summary uh, for inside the buyer's brain. So you can follow along here on the radio. But uh, page 11, we're, we're, we're dealing with uh, um, the average professional services brand is weakening. Mm-hmm. And you have three bullets, four bullets on this page that are, that are extremely interesting. So take it from there. Yeah. The, uh, one of the things we found over this last five years, there's been a reduction in what we call brand strength. And what brand strength means, it's... What's your ability to attract new business? And it depends on two things. One is your reputation. What's the quality of your reputation? And the other part of it is how visible is that reputation? So if you've ever thought about your firm as having, you know, or you being the best kept secret that people who work with you are really impressed, but nobody else knows about it. And if you're, and if it's only the people you work for, that's the extent of your brand. And what we're finding is that the strength of brands is actually decreasing, which is a frightening thing as a uh, a marketer or as a or business owner. Like you or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That your brand is getting weaker. Now, we think the thing that's driving that is there's so much competition. Right. And uh, and the ability to get messages out there has increased through social media, through online forums, webinars, blogs. So there's more noise out there. So it's much easier to get lost, lost in the shuffle. So the quality of the reputation, as seen by the people you're working with on a daily basis, hasn't gone down, it's the visibility that's driving it. Right, and and the, that, that kind of triggers something for me. So word of mouth still definitely plays. And the way I found out, I had heard about Hinge from a couple of sources, but it was when Bob Davis mentioned you to me. He mm-hmm. said, you got to read this book. Or, yeah. you know, and then you talk to Lee. Um, you know, Bob and I have been doing things together since the early 90s. Uh, so... When when somebody you trust says something about a source, 
you pay attention. That's right. And that that is a great way. And, and one of the things that people often don't realize is how that trust sort of careens around the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's not uncommon. We'll get a referral and we'll ask, well, how did you hear about us? Well, so-and-so gave me a referral. They read a book that you'd done. Had you ever worked with them? No, but they think that, you know, they have a solution to your problem. And so that's kind of the thing that people don't realize is that your reputation goes all over the place. It can uh, careen around through people you've worked with, people you haven't worked with, people who've heard something, people who've heard about you. And that is where you get the word of mouth effect that, oh, everybody knows about them. Oh, yeah, everybody knows about that. That's a great firm. Have you worked with them? No. But that doesn't matter these days nearly as much as it used to. Yeah, um, it's true. I mean, you know, I, I have um, I've been in the government market for 34 years mm-hmm. uh, uh, as Tower and Company. And I, I do have a reputation in the market. And uh, the reputation is mostly with companies that haven't worked with me yet. Are you paying attention? You haven't worked <laughs> with me yet. So not going to be around forever. So... Better get there soon, uh, <laughs> but but the, you know it 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 helps to be a known commodity. But if overall the message is getting lost in that shuffle, you know you you have have to decline. So uh, one of the bullets here, you know, you 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 your uh, brand strength index runs from zero to one hundred, and uh, over the last five years. So when you did the first study, it was over sixty percent, slightly over sixty. Now it's under 55. Right. So it's almost right. a six total point drop. Yeah. I, I, oh, 10% of it. You know, it's it's gone down 10% in five years. Uh, so if you project that out, uh, that's not good news. And now there's another aspect to that brand strength that I think is also kind of important for people to understand. And that is what's the nature of the reputation? You know, you've got the general reputation Good guy, not a good guy, honest, dishonest, that kind of thing. Big management consulting firm. Of course, they do everything. Yeah, they do everything. Exactly. Then you get to being known for a specific kind of expertise. Ah, they can really solve this problem. They have experience doing this thing. And what we found out is, interestingly, when you're known for a specific kind of expertise the likelihood that you're going to get a a referral, an actual referral, goes up by 60%. 60% if it's specific as opposed to general nice guy. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, I I knew more about direct marketing to the government literally than anybody. I would go to the mail rooms to see how mail was sorted, see what got through, see what got tossed. You knew how the sausage was sorted. (laughs) Exactly. I, I knew everything about it. And and consequently, somebody dubbed me the king of direct marketing to government. Mm-hmm. To this day, there is still one person in the market. I have morphed several times since that time. Mm-hmm. There's still one person in the market that that introduces me to his friends that way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going, exactly. yeah, time out. <laughs> Reputations, <laughs> they can live on. It does. We're going to take a break. You're uh, listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Lee right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. You can find Lee on uh, on LinkedIn 
and you can find them at hingemarketing.com. And you can find the study inside the buyer's brain, uh, executive summary, and, and the full study at their website. The executive summary, summary you can download for free. I'm assuming people free. have to buy the other. Yep. 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 They so, have to buy the full study, but, but the executive summary is free. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in the exec summary, and it's going to entice you to, to go back and buy the, uh, the study. It was also a book. That's right. We did a book five years ago when we came out with the first study, and this is an update because we noticed that things have been changing in the marketplace, and you can see them changing, but it's like, how much has it changed? And uh, I, I, frankly, we, it was a, a shocker when we saw how much and how fast it has changed. Yeah, but you made made a point in uh, probably in the full study more, but on, on the executive summary that firms that built a reputation on a specialized topic, mm-hmm. narrower field, were more likely to retain their strength. That's right. They get more referrals. Uh, they tend to grow faster. And they tend to have, be more profitable. So it's uh, what we call the specialist's advantage. And, and more, more profitable. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> What's not to like about that trio? Exactly. So, um, so the, the visibility factor, uh, we, we, you touched on uh, you know, how crowded the field is. Give me some ideas on why uh, it's harder and then how you – uh, maintain your visibility. Great. The, I, I think there's two things that make it harder. One is we alluded to a little bit earlier. That's there's m- ways of communicating that there weren't years ago. <clears throat> Blogs, webinars, those kinds of things have expanded the channels of communication. So that means there's more noise in the marketplace, if you will, more things going on. So that absolutely is one of the things that impacts it. Uh, the other thing that happens is that people are less likely to do things that they used to do, like go to seminars, meet for lunch, uh, meet with people. Who do you know that's not busy? Who do you know that does, you know has extra time in their day? So that, you and I have never had a meal together. Exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. We, we did have coffee at your office mm-hmm. a couple of times. But exactly. <laughs> But, you know, who has time these days? And and that's true both inside the government of your buyers, uh, people you might want to partner with, uh, you know, other information sources. So you have those two forces that are making it harder to maintain your visibility. Okay. So, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you, what do, you do? How, how, how do you overcome that? I know we, we do a lot of the same types of things. Right. Well, I, I think from uh, a uh, the perspective of an individual or a small firm, there's really three kinds of ways that you interact. It's through things that are written. It's through things that are spoken, webinars, seminars, and it's through one-on-one personal interactions. Those three things don't change. What has changed is now there's more than one way to do each of those things. Right. So where yeah, are you going to write? Is YouTube, it going to be a, do you do both? Uh, right. Is it a podcast? Yeah. Is it a webinar? Is it this? Is it that? Now, the right answer to that really comes from understanding who are you trying to reach? What's your audience doing? What's happening in the marketplace? So understanding where your audience is tells you where you should be. 
So as an individual, what I do is I look at where's my audience, how can I reach them, and what am I comfortable doing? Am I comfortable writing? Am I comfortable speaking? Am I more comfortable networking? And finding my sweet spot and where that overlaps with my target market sweet spot. And that's where you determine what you end up doing. Yeah, and that would lead me to a question that I don't think I've ever asked you. Do you belong to any associations? Uh, interestingly, I do, but it, it's a limited number of associations. Right. I find that for me, I do a lot better writing and speaking than I do networking. You and I, you know, are I, I'm networkers. I'm the guy standing over by the the dip that's turning brown in the in the corner of the networking event. So that's not my forte. We have other people, uh, other partners in the firm that are great networkers, and they love doing that, but they're not as crazy about writing, for example. So uh, the other thing, and this is when you're an individual, you have to really focus on where are your strengths. When you're a small organization, it's you need to think about it as a team sport. It's not just an individual activity. It can be a team sport that your organization, no one person has to do everything themselves. Yeah. And, and you know, f but, you know, for a one-man shop like me. You are the I've, team. <laughs> I, I, ha I have all of the above. So yeah. I write every day. Uh, I, I do uh, probably about 20 public speaking gigs a year. Mm -hmm. I probably do at least 20 others that are private. Some usually more than that because uh, that's my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I do network. I I, I recently joined AFCA and I'm uh, on the small business committee there. So I, I'm I'm helping AFCA reach out to all of the chapters around the world, at least the small business side. But I don't join associations unless I'm going to participate. That's a key point there, Mark. That that I, I think. The uh, the one other thing that we know about becoming an expert and being successful in marketing is you're better off doing fewer things but doing them better. That's yeah. the problem. People yeah. have sub uh, uh, sub level of effort to make it actually work. They haven't reached the threshold of it doesn't work. So you can't dabble at things. Right. If you dabble a little bit here, a little bit there, you end up with nothing. Yeah, you're 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 spread too thin. So the the art would be, as you intimated earlier, the art would be finding the exact right venue for you to join and then participate. Your participation raises your visibility in that organization, and if you pick the right organization, those are the companies or the govies that you want to work with. You're golden. Exactly. But without that participation factor, you know, you're just a name on a roster that may be 50 pages long. That's right. And what, what, what's the point? Right. And, you know, who of us hasn't gone to a networking event and to see the sponsors there, they, you know, a uh, round of applause for the sponsors. If you're from this organization, stand up and there's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> Or or there's one, and yeah, you, you exactly. know, they're so far across the room, you don't really see them. Yeah. Who was that person? All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Uh, we shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson, the managing partner of Hinge Marketing. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can find him at hingemarketing.com. 
for discussing inside the buyer's brain. Uh, so you can download the executive summary at Lee's website, and you can also find the full report there. Uh, after you read the summary, you'll probably want to buy it. So um, <clears throat> relying on the the referrals, I mean, you know, again, I've been doing this 34 years. A lot of people know me. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how many of them actually recommend me. Mm-hmm. So relying on that as a marketing uh, uh method is kind of like sitting in the dark throwing darts at a board that may uh, or may you, not be for there. somebody to go ouch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh and and that's one of the things that we've found here is that the while people are remain willing to make referrals to their colleagues or friends they're doing it less often mm-hmm. and at first i was a head scratcher and like well, now why in the world if they're as willing or more willing, why are they making fewer referrals? And what we learned is that what's happening is fewer people are asking for referrals. In other words, you don't normally, most people don't go around saying, hey, I know Mark Amtower, you should work with him. Hey, I know Mark. You know, they somebody says, hey, do you know anybody who can help me with my social media strategy or, uh, you know, how I can generate more leads? And they say, well, hey, consider Mark Amtower. So what's happening is there's fewer requests. So what are those people doing instead? And what it is, they're doing what's easier and faster. They're turning to the computer, which they have in front of them all day long, and Google they're Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> they're Googling it. They're looking for an answer. They're yep. looking for somebody who can offer, just like you can get the you know the perfect shoe, online you can get the perfect vacation experience you can find the you know the perfect way to clean your brick walkway you can also find how do i solve this cash flow problem how do i address this business issue yeah but that 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 led to another issue though that uh people who have traditionally worked with you may not be quite as loyal as they used to be yeah, yeah, which is a which is an interesting thing that I think is actually related to this. Uh, it's a great point is that the loyalty, the likelihood that someone's going to continue to work with you down the road 2 or 3 years is actually dropping. And again, that was another thing like if people are more willing to make a referral and they're happy with what you do, they value what you do, how come they don't want to keep working with you? And I think the answer gets down to we're more and more likely to work with specialists, somebody who's solved just exactly the kind of problem you have in exactly the kind of organization. I want to work with that kind of a person. And I I think that's what's happening. We're migrating from the generalists we know to the specialists who can help us solve a particular problem. Okay. As we perceive it, that 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 makes sense. So, uh, and and you you went into this, but you you've got uh, some some stats on it too. Online search is becoming a more common way to provide uh, uh, to find the providers. So, uh, I, I I don't even know how many times I Google something every day, but it you know yeah. it's probably a bare minimum of twenty. Yeah. Um. So I'm always looking for something. So you know. I remember a a phrase, and I want to know where it came from. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, oddly enough, that's how I ran across Regis McKenna. Do you remember Regis? Uh-huh. Okay. I do. I so, do. <laughs> um, and, and that led to him being on the show, uh-huh. So, uh, which was absolutely cool. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> he's still one of the brightest guys that, that you know, has ever been in tech marketing anyway. Yes. So um, the, the, the methods that people use, network, ask a friend or colleague, is down to – uh, 59.5%. So it's under 60, and it used to be significantly higher. That's right. That's right. It used to be uh, up around where, you know, that was a thing that was almost universal. Anyone almost did that. Uh, now you're getting to the point where the thing that's becoming almost universal is they're going to check out your website. Yeah, but, you know, you have yeah. to walk to your colleague's office to ask, right? And it may right. be down the hall, and by the time you get there, you forget. Yep. Either that or you send them an email, and by the time they reply, you could have uh, searched it up three or four times. Yeah, and probably did. <laughs> so Exactly. Uh, and then existing relationships is uh, uh, also dropping. Yes, yes. So uh, what, what it says to me is the world is becoming, you know, as, as there's no expect, uh, nothing that's unusual about this when you think about it, and that as technology makes it quicker and easier to do things one way, that's the way people tend to move. Instant they tend gratification. To go, instant gratification, less work, quicker, easier. That's the way you go. It uh, it rarely goes the other direction. Yeah. I, I have uh, one, one quick antidote. Uh, the day this show will air, I will have spoken that morning at a, uh, a group at the Tower Club in Tyson's. And the reason I got the gig was the person, the woman who uh, heads the group, Karen Dobson, uh, asked, you know, who, who do you want for your final meeting of the year? And apparently several people said me by name, mm-hmm. which, you know, thank God for that. Um, yeah. You know, but how often does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I'm, they knew me. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's and that's the thing is that uh, the kind of thing you're doing when you're speaking, uh, you're writing, you're that you're planting seeds and you don't know when they're going to mature and you don't know. And some of them aren't going to go anywhere or others are going to come back at a much later point through someone who, quote, knows you because they remember reading an article. They remember I re- attending I read a webinar. the visible expert six years ago. Yeah. You know. ah, exactly. Yeah. So you're at an event and somebody comes up and says, you're Lee Fredrickson. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been following you for years. It's yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, why haven't you reached out? <laughs> That's what I think. So, you know, but but at the bottom of, of the uh, uh, kind of the search list, um, refer to recent projects and accepting meeting requests as they come in. Um, um, the, these are really... Uh, kind of the pocket change aspect mm-hmm. of of getting new business. That's right. That's right. The uh, it's the uh, it's becoming that the notion of setting up and getting a meeting with someone is becoming more and more challenging. And you know, for the obvious reasons we talked about, people's schedules are jammed. Uh, we expect more from less. Uh, we automate things, so the concept of getting a meeting uh, that remotes anything is more and more difficult. I mean, if there's one thing I get 
in my inbox is full of requests to meet. Yeah. And usually the request is so they can get to know me, which is, and then sell me something. It's like, well, why am I going to spend my valuable time so you can get to know me? Yeah. And that's the way a lot of buyers think about it. But, but you know, if somebody wants to get to know you really, they can read the blog, they can read the books, they can read the research. Um, and, you know, I get uh, meeting requests, you know, let's get together for coffee or lunch. You know, mm-hmm. number one, I don't do lunch because it eats a major hole in my day. And I am mm-hmm. a one-man shop, and that's billable mm-hmm. time. Very uh, expensive yeah. to go to a lunch. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I, I – well, we won't go into what I charge for lunch because uh, <laughs> it ain't free. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you you don't want to buy me lunch. You want to pick my brain. Ah, I see. Um, so it's um, – but one of the things I do on LinkedIn when I'm reaching out to connect with people that I'd like to do business with or people that I really want to know better is I – I, number one, I never send out the uh, form letter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I always customize. But one of the things I do is say, you know, we, we share this many connections. We're in the government market, whatever the, the intro is. Um, I'd like to connect. And when you have time, I'd like, you know, five minutes on the phone so we can, you know, mm-hmm. chat for a minute and, and get to know where we where we might be able to fit together. Yep. Um, so – I'm I'm offering a five minute intro as opposed to, you know, half hour coffee or hour and a half lunch. Um but I prefer, you know, a Skype meeting or a phone meeting to I live out in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um there's mm-hmm. not a lot of my potential clients that are in my immediate vicinity. I've been home based for thirty four years mm-hmm. uh and a lot of the companies Before I do it was business cool. with <laughs> exactly. So it, it's it's uh, um, you know a lot of the companies I want to do business with are in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I want to drive over for coffee if we can do a ten minute phone call, five minute phone call, and get if if there's synergy there, we'll understand very quickly. Yes, it doesn't take me a half hour to tell you where I fit in the marketing universe. And you said something that's very pivotal that I want to make sure people get because. It's one thing to send out a LinkedIn request. It's quite another thing to send out something where you point out why you should, what you have in common, what you might want to talk about, why there's a reason. That's very different than just a blanket sending something out. That gets someone's attention. Ah, I've been, oh, you're following me. Oh, you think we might want to talk about this. Okay. You're, you know, that's worth your time to evaluate, to have the conversation. Yeah. Whereas somebody who has no idea who you are. (laughs) Hit the connect now, connect now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the flip side of that is the George Herbert Walker Bush response mechanism, too. Anytime somebody connects with me, I'll send a quick thank you note. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So... And, and you know, regardless of what you thought of Mr. Bush as a president or politician or, what you know, whatever, um, he was one of the most polite people ever in public service. Mm-hmm. And that simple thank you is also going to set you apart from just about everybody else you'll meet on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people fail to realize that something electronic or that's a button push doesn't... Uh, allow you to no longer be human. 
Right. To doesn't no longer be personal. To no longer be from the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can't, it's not, to, doesn't allow you to be a jerk just because of social media. <laughs> right. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson, and we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. And, Lee, I want to start um, with, with um, you know, we're, we're going to get into the top challenges that, that our kinds of companies, professional services firms have for attracting new business. But one of the things that, that you do, and, again, it's, it's why I, I, uh, I, I decided to find out much more about you, was a referral from a friend. But it was the content that you guys developed mm-hmm. that was just really hot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, but but you know, how much content does Hinge put out? You've got the newsletter, you got the blog, you got studies. You have several books. Some of the books you offer for free as downloads. That's right. Uh, it's gated, mm-hmm. but that's that's okay because mm-hmm. the books are, are are worth the the price of an email. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and, and I think that's uh, we do. The short answer is we do a lot of content. Uh, we're you know we're publishing. Uh, we're doing new studies, a couple of new studies every year, uh, and we're publishing those, and we're blogging on a regular basis, and we're doing webinars a couple times a month. So all of that really gets down to uh, how educating someone really builds trust, and it sets up a reciprocity in the relationship. You know, the more you give, the more likely someone is to give back. Right. And, you know, that I think that's been the nature of our relationship. You know, you found something of benefit in the content and we found something of benefit in your content. And so you become colleagues and so forth. And that's how you build and sustain a network. Uh, yeah, you can do it also with, uh, you know, playing golf and getting to know people personally. But there's only so many hours in a day. Right. And sharing what your knowledge and your expertise is one of the few things that you can actually leverage. That's, for example, social media. You can leverage social media. You can't leverage going to a networking event. It's going to take you a certain amount of time. And and you can't build a network rapidly uh, any more than you can run back and forth between events. So that's why having multiple channels to reach and finding the right channel and then freely sharing your expertise really comes back in a positive way. Yeah, but one of the things that I've also noticed about Hinge is your ability to retain the people that work with you and for you. And that's difficult these days. It is difficult, you know, and one of the things we actually did a study on that very thing, on recruiting and what it is that people want. And interestingly, for example, we found that the ability to build your personal brand is as important to many people as the salary they're getting. Yep. You know, they. Uh, I think people realize that uh, you know employment isn't what it used to, and you you're going to have multiple. You're not going to just go to one firm and work there your whole career, or rarely. And so, your personal brand, your personal reputation, your visible expertise, if you will, is really the value you're building in your own career, and yeah. it, it helps you as an individual, and it helps your firm. 
Right. And, and you know, I it, it's not uncommon anymore when you're, you know, scanning a LinkedIn profile to see 18 months job switch, 18, 18 months job switch. In the government market, that may simply mean that the contract was over and you've migrated to where they need you for another company for a different contract. Yeah, exactly. Um, in you know, ten years ago, that would have been seen as blatant job hopping. Yeah, so yes. that a, part of the market a, a is a badge of dishonor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh my God, this guy's had twelve jobs in thirteen years. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but you know, I want to touch on a couple of other things on the study before I let you go today. Um, buyers are seeing service providers as more relevant. Isn't that something? You know, even as the likelihood that you're going to get a referral, an actual referral goes down, they're seeing you as more relevant to what you're doing. And again, I think that fits in with some of the earlier observations that people are looking for specialists who can solve the problem they see in front of them that they have. And by doing that, by finding that specialist, they're almost by definition highly relevant right. to what you're doing because you've selected them because they're relevant. Yep. So that's why I think we're seeing relevance go up. At the same time, we're seeing the whole loyalty drift down. Yeah. And I, I want to emphasize uh, that this is particularly important for smaller companies. I, exactly. You know, as 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 you drill down here your ability to stand out from the thousands of government contractors who may do similar things to you can be predicated on content, on your reputation, on your visibility factor. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, so you, you can be relevant and be small. That's right. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, it's one, it's one of the great advantages you have as an individual or as a small organization is you can focus and you can become the leading expert in an area, if not the leading expert, at least one of a small handful of experts in an area where uh, if you're a very large company, it's much more challenging to be known for a specific thing. Mm -hmm. You can be known for a wide range of things, but that's uh, that doesn't give you the same kind of power as being the expert in something gives you. Exactly. So, um, you know, the, the buyers placing a higher uh, uh, level of importance on that. Let's run down the uh, the criteria on that importance of expertise. So, number one uh, would be uh, relevant experience, past experience, uh, and I'm assuming. By relevant, that means more more current. Yeah, you've done something that's very close to what they're doing, and you're known for your expertise in the area that's relevant to what they're doing. For example, if they're in cybersecurity, you're known as a cybersecurity expert, and you've done the particular kind of work that this agency needs right. going forward. Boy, so, you don't want to you you wouldn't want to compete against that person, right? So, yeah, cybersecurity is kind of broad. So as you narrow it down, it can be in, intrusion. It can be continuous diagnostics and mitigation. It could be exfiltration. Uh, I mean, a whole ton of things. So the smaller you are, the more important that is. But even for larger firms, having those niches filled so you've got your fingers in all of the holes in the dike. Um, but, you know, if you're a small company, you can't have, you know, 
20 fingers in 50 holes. Right. I, I always say that the, the one cardinal rule is never have more specialties than you have people in your organization. Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> that, that is a cardinal rule. And I, believe me, I've seen three people companies that list 10 areas of expertise. Exactly. And it, it's, exactly. it's more it's common than one would credibility, think. doesn't it? It, it does. And yeah. regardless of whether or not it's valid, it seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but that leads to the next item. I mean, that the, the relevant experience is 35.1. Uh, team experience skills is 33.4. But those go hand in glove. That's right. And then you get to the next thing, which is knowledge of the industry or the clients. In this case, the client's agency or the particular kind of industry. Let's say healthcare. It makes like, okay, you've got it in the VA. Can you change it to another agency? Right. So uh, it, it's that understanding of the industry that really when you have a general expertise and you marry it with a specific industry, that's where you really get some power. Okay, cool. And then the ability, obviously, to deliver results and good reputation, mm-hmm. start wrapping it out. Um, so, the you know, in, in the conundrum, you know, professional services are seen as more valuable today uh, really than ever before. Um, you know, that that's up a whopping 17% from the first study. Yeah, isn't that in five years, almost a 20% increase in the relevance. So these are some major shifts, and, you know, and it's something we don't talk about a lot every day, so you may not realize the marketing is changing. And if you've been in the market for a long period of time, you got a 20-year career or a 30-year career, you look back and uh, and you think that things or the way that you learned them 10 years ago or five years ago, well, they're not. They have changed. Yeah. So uh, wrap us up with the key takeaways here. I would say the key takeaways are uh, buyers are changing. They're putting more emphasis on getting just the right skill set and the right expertise for the problem they have in front of them. It's harder to be visible but at the same time, it's more important to be visible for your level of expertise, making that expertise visible, yep. especially if you are a small organization. Um, so for you listening out there, one more time, uh, this is the uh, executive overview of the update for the Inside the Buyer's Brain study. You can find it at hingemarketing.com. I suggest you download the overview and then seriously consider going back and getting the full report. This is dynamite stuff, in, and oddly enough, a lot of it applies to product companies as well. So it, it really even does. if you, yeah, even if you're a product company listening, download the uh, the overview. It's it's worth the read, um, and and if you don't get ideas from it, uh, you're probably flatlining. Um, <laughs> It is is what it is, right? Lee, thank you so much for coming in. This is not my day job. Lee's company helps uh, firms become develop that visible expert platform. I do the same thing with small contractors, and I have a new program for consultants who are selling services to that contracting community that helps you build that subject matter expert platform. If you're interested, drop me a line at marketfederaldirect.net or go to the blog at federaldirect.net and uh, look for the recent posts on that. And thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off Center. 
You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There are a million reasons e-commerce shoppers don't buy. In fact, 97% abandon their first store visit. AdRoll retargeting keeps your brand on their mind, so they come back to buy. Visit AdRoll.com to start retargeting today.